you for joining us today here at Victory. At Victory Church, we are a community of authentic, spirit-led Christ followers transformed to walk in victory. Join us as we begin today's message. All right, so as we've been talking about a lot in announcements and even um, earlier today for the announcements, we are launching community groups in two weeks. Big push for this. If anybody wasn't here for the announcements, you're here for the first time, we're launching these groups. Uh, it's going to be the week after Easter, okay? So coming up very quick, um, I talked about this before. Again, if you weren't here for the announcements, if you've already signed up for one of these groups, um, please be expecting a phone call sometime in the next week or so from either a community group leader or a host. They're going to call you. They're going to give you some information, invite you into the group. If you have not signed up for it, uh, please, please, please make sure to sign up before you leave today. You can do that over there at the Next Moves booth. Uh, we've also got a, uh, we probably will have like a little table over there uh, by the door, by the exit over there. Um, if not, the Next Moves booth, come see myself, someone else that's out there as well, and we'll get you, get you plugged into that, Okay. Um, so with that said, uh, while we've been making this big push, we're about to launch these groups, we've been diving into a series called Why Community Groups, right? Seems kind of fitting because that's what we're about to do is launch these groups. Kind of diving into this question, why? What's the big idea? Why is this so important? And uh, we've talked about the fact a couple of weeks ago that we were, every single one of us, created with a God-given core need for relationship. Relationship, number one, with God, but then also relationship with other people. And that relationship, the kind of relationship, which is deep, meaningful, and intimate, and consistent, is best practically lived out in the context of a small group, or as we're calling them, community groups. All right, and then last week, as we dove into um, the book of Acts, we saw that when we launch community groups, hear this, when we launch community groups, we will be living out the most biblical, um, uh, the most traditional and yes, I did say the most traditional and the most effective model for church that exists. And today what we're going to see is that community groups enable us to live out Jesus' new commandment. That's our big idea today. Community groups enable us to live out Jesus' new commandment. But before we dive into this, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much again to be a part of this family, your family we thank you for the redemption that we have been given by you, Jesus, because what you have done for us on the cross in our place. I pray that if there's anybody here today that does not know you, that has not responded to, this, to your message of hope, freedom, and redemption, and love, I pray that you would open their eyes and their heart. I pray that you would help them to respond and do what only you can do. I pray for that miracle of salvation. I pray that you would help all of us to grow closer to you in a deeper relationship with you and in a deeper relationship with each other. I pray that you would solidify in our hearts and our minds uh, just the importance of doing life together. I pray that you would help us to plug into this and I pray that you would bless this, that you would bless this process of launching these groups, but that you would bless these groups individually and this church as a whole as we launch them. We thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together to worship your name, Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take over, that you would speak in and through me, a broken, sinful man, to your people and to me. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so as a, as a heads up, um, today it's going to be a little bit shorter, all right? So it's going to be kind of short, sweet, to the point. We've got communion. That's one of the reasons. 
um, but just kind of a heads up there, all right? Um, so we're going to dive into the text. Um, we're going to go ahead and dive in. It's going to be John chapter 13, starting with verse 34. So if you've got the physical copy or if you've got your smartphone, go ahead and turn or click. Uh, get to John chapter 13, again, starting with verse 34. And something that we need to understand before we go into this, we start reading this text, is these are the words of Jesus, okay? This is what Jesus said. Let's read this together. John 13, verse 34. Jesus says, I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. So again, Jesus says this, all right? And this isn't a request. It's not a suggestion, not a, hey, if you have time, if it's convenient, this is a command. He says, a new command, a command, um, or I give you, rather, a new command. That's what he says. And so because this is a command from Jesus, not a suggestion, it should kind of prompt us to wonder, okay, well, how do we do this? How are we supposed to practically love one another, right? That, that's kind of the question that's probably generated in our minds. How? But before we can answer the how, first we have to know what. What is this love exactly? Because here's the thing. I could go around the room and I could ask the question, well, what is love? Right? Well, what is love? What does that mean? Give me a definition of love. We could go around the room and we would probably get all kinds of different answers. And especially if we were to go out to like downtown Morganton, especially downtown Asheville, and ask that question, you're going to get all kinds of different answers. Some that are like way out there in left field, right? Why? Because there's all kinds of different ideas, opinions about what love is. And with the English language, let's be honest, we have one word, love. So we could say, hey, I love my wife and I love pizza in the same sentence, right? And how many, how many people have been there before? You say something like, hey, I love my kids. <laughs> I love my kids and I, you know, I love my car or something like that, you know? And it's just kind of this, 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 it makes it harder to really define what, what is this? What does this word love actually mean? And sometimes we try to define it almost like this euphoric emotional feeling, like something that we feel, but, but that's not really love, is it? I call that kind of like fluff love, where it's, it's based on your emotions. It's here one moment, gone the next, almost like the flavor of the week kind of thing. So again, it, it brings us back to this question, what is this love exactly? Well, what is he talking about? And what's really neat is Jesus not only teaches us what true love actually is, he displays it through his actions. He displays it for us. Because in his own words, he says, as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And as we approach this commandment, something we need to understand about the context, the scene, when Jesus gave this commandment, is he gave this to his first disciples in the upper room, the Last Supper. That's when he gave this commandment. Now let me ask you a question. What happened soon after the Last Supper? The crucifixion. The crucifixion happened. There's, this is just before Jesus is about to willingly go to the cross and die for our sins. That's when he gives this new commandment. And so I want you to, to kind of think about that. Have that kind of uh, uh, that thought in your mind as we read this one more time. He says, I give you a new command. Love one another. Catch this. Catch this. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. So here's my question for you. 
How did Jesus love? How did Jesus love? Did Jesus love with strings attached? Did he love uh, when it was convenient? Did he love when uh, as long as uh, we, we did what he wanted or, uh, you know, it, it met his needs? D- did he love when people followed him? Is that what it was? Is that what it was? No. Jesus loved regardless, with, with no strings attached. Regardless of the response from others, Jesus Loved. In fact, the word actually tells us that while we were still sinners, in other words, while we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. While we were still his enemies. Guys, listen to me. The kind of love that Jesus is talking about here is sacrificial love. It's sacrificial. And it carries with it this, this mindset that says, I will love the people around me regardless of, of the response that I get back from them. Regardless, that is how Jesus displayed love. That is how he still displays love. And something that's so amazing about the love of Jesus is the fact that, listen, there is nothing that you or I, anybody, could ever do to take his love for you away. Nothing. Check out what the Apostle Paul said about this. This is Romans chapter 8. Verses 38 through 39. He says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing that you, I, anyone could ever do to take his love for you away. Hear me on this. Jesus' love for you is not dependent on what you have done or will do. His love is dependent, number one, on who he is. Who he is. Then also what he has already done for you and your place. 1 John 4, 7 through 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. Those are strong words. The one who does not love does not know God because, don't miss this, because God is love. As Jesus is the living embodiment of love. So when we take this new commandment seriously to love one another, and when we honestly live this out, Hear me, we're not just deepening, deepening our relationship with each other, with his, with his church, his family. We are deepening our relationship with Jesus Christ himself. Because when we love one another, we're not just being obedient to him. We're walking in his will, following in his steps. We are doing life with him and with his people. When we love one another, sacrificially, sacrificially, And something that we need to understand, again, as we approach this commandment from Jesus, is this commandment to Jesus was so important, so important, still to this day is so important, so significant, so significant, in fact, that he waited intentionally until that upper room scene, the last supper scene, shortly before he goes to the cross and dies for our sin. He waits until then to give this commandment to his first disciples. 
Because this was one of the most intimate moments that he ever shared with those first disciples. And he waited till then to give it. But it's not just that. It's not, that's not the only reason that this was so important to Jesus that we see this. It's also the fact that after he gives this command, he then uses it as the ultimate litmus test that we belong to him. Check it out. This is John chapter 13, uh, 34. We already read that, but we're going to tack on verse 35. Again, Jesus' words. I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also, or you are also to love one another. By this, catch this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love, one another guys love is how the world will know that we truly belong to jesus that this is huge this is huge love is how the world will know that we truly belong to jesus and it begs this question how in the world is that possible how is it that when we honestly start loving one another that somehow the world around us is going to know that we honestly belong to him that we follow in his steps how is that it's because hear me something amazing happens when we take this commandment seriously to start loving one another, we actually live this commandment out. There is this like explosive type of transformation that happens in an individual's life when they start to live out this new commandment, not in perfection, in obedience. And that transformation, this explosive transformation, isn't just noticed in that individual's life that's being transformed. Hear me, it's noticed in the world around them because it is tangible and it's contagious. It's contagious. And we see all kinds of pictures through Scripture of this explosive love and the explosive transformation that happens as a result of it. One of those pictures is seen in the first disciples, the apostles. And when you read the gospel account and you see how their lives were transformed, and how they went from, from the, this first call, and you read these gospel accounts, they went from these, these kids these scared, timid, um, honestly ignorant followers to bold, fearless, uh, uh, wise leaders. Why? Because they were transformed, miraculously, radically transformed. They were still following Jesus, but while they were following Jesus, they were leading others to do the same because they had been radically transformed. And another picture that we have of this this explosive love, the explosive transformation that happens as a result is seen in that text that we were at last week in Acts. And the first church after Pentecost. And it's so explosive that literally that first church became a megachurch in one day. One day from 120 to 3,120. We can't even say overnight. It was a matter of hours that this happened. But it wasn't just this explosive transformation growth numerically. What else was it? These guys were doing life together. They were breaking bread together, I mean, eating meals and, and doing, you know, sharing communion together, diving into the Word together, praying together, doing life together, accountability, meeting each other's needs on a consistent basis. And as a result, they experienced explosive transformation, both numerically but more importantly, 
more importantly, transformationally in their lives on a consistent basis. How? How did that happen? How, every day God is adding to their numbers. Every day these people are being transformed. The gospel is spreading like wildfire. How did that happen? Two main reasons that I want to point out. Two things. First, they taught the gospel. They taught the gospel. And when they taught the gospel, listen, they were gospel-centered, meaning they lived gospel-centered lives. The gospel, um, everything about the gospel, it poured out in their lives, practically, in their everyday lives. But here's the other thing. They all actively helped spread it. Every one of them. They took the fact that we are all ministers of the gospel this message that Jesus has given us, the, the message of Jesus Christ in your place, they took that message and they carried it to the world around them. They didn't just rely on the leaders and pastors. Guys, listen to me. They were telling other people. They weren't just inviting in. They were teaching people all of Jesus' commandments. They were doing life with these people. They were praying with them. Something that's amazing, too, statistically, evangelical. When, when you look at evangelical statistics... They say that when we tell other people about the gospel, about the message of Jesus, do you know when they are most likely to respond? It's not actually when you invite them into church, as we might assume. It's when you tell them and you actually teach them. That's the t statistics. That's what it shows us. Why is that? Why is that? It's because you have a relationship with them. It's because... You have their ear because they've seen something in you. They're willing to listen and they're willing to accept this message. And that's what they did. And it spread like wildfire. The other thing is, listen, they lived out Jesus's new commandment to love one another. And they did it on a consistent basis, on a consistent basis. And guys, when we do the same thing, when we teach the gospel and live gospel-centered lives, when we all actively take part in spreading the gospel, making disciples, when we honestly live out this, this new commandment to love one another, listen, that is when we will experience explosive transformation in our lives, in our families' lives, in our church, and the community around us. And that is where the explosive proof will be given to the, Lord, to the world around us that we belong to him. And something that's so amazing too is when we take this seriously, this new commandment from Jesus, and when we honestly live this out, when we live this one commandment out from Jesus, listen to me, we will be fulfilling, living out every single one of the 59 one another commandments that we see in scripture every single one of them. When we simply fulfill, live out this one commandment from Jesus to love one another. These other one another commandments that we see, for example, to encourage one another, to bear one another's burdens, be at peace with one another, forgive one another, serve one another, pray for one another, accept one another, don't judge one another. And the list keeps going on and on and on. 59 of them total. Every single one of those commands is fulfilled, is lived out when we simply honestly live out this one commandment from Jesus to love one another. But as mind-blowing as that is, 
It's actually even deeper than that, a lot deeper and bigger than that. Because Jesus says that, listen to me, love is actually the fulfillment for all of God's commands. That's what he says. Love is the fulfillment for all of God's commands. And don't take my words for it. Check it out. Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. Check out what Jesus says. It says, teacher. So someone is about to ask Jesus a question. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He said to him, this is, this is Jesus talking. Love. Let me say that again. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it, love. Say that again, love your neighbor as yourself. And don't miss verse 40 here. Don't miss this. This is Jesus, all the law. Say that one more time, all the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. As Jesus' new commandment is so explosive that when we live out, when we take this seriously and live out this one commandment from Jesus, which, by the way, first requires us to love Jesus sacrificially, and then in turn we obey and love others sacrificially, when we obey that one commandment, listen to me, we are fulfilling the entire law of God. That's how explosive this is. And listen, I'm not saying that we can do this in perfection. Don't try, you can't. We are imperfect people that need a perfect Savior, every single one of us. So we can't live this out in perfection, but something that we can do is obey. We can obey. That is how we begin the process of practically living this commandment out. Not in perfection, just in simple obedience to Jesus. And so let's go back to this question that we asked at the beginning. How? Practically. Obey? Okay. But let's go deeper. How practically do we do this? How practically do we live out this new commandment to love one another? And the simple and short answer, you ready? The simple and short answer is this. We can't. It's impossible. That's it. Okay, we can go home now. That wasn't the answer you were expecting, were you? We can't. It is impossible unless, unless we are honestly in deep, intimate, consistent relationship with other people, which is best practically lived out in the context of small groups, which we're calling community groups. Guys, that is why community groups enable us to live out Jesus' new commandment. Because it is impossible to do anything with one another unless you are honestly living in deep, intimate, meaningful, consistent relationships with one another. You can't do it. So, so why community groups? That's the question, right? That's the, that's the series. Why community groups? Because when we consistently engage in community groups, Guys, that is when explosive transformation happens in our lives, our families' lives, the church, the community around us. And that is when this explosive proof is given to the world around us that we belong to Jesus. 
but not only that we belong to him, but that his message, the gospel message is true and that, catch this, that he is worth following. That he's worth following because he is worth following, amen? He's so worth following. And why is that? Why is Jesus so worth following? I'll tell you why. Because the most explosive, scandalous picture of love that we have is seen at the cross, where Jesus Christ willingly endured one of the most horrific forms of death known to man while bearing the sins of the world on his shoulders. Why? Why would he do that? John 3.16 gives us the answer. It says, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. And notice it doesn't say for God loved. It says for God so loved the world. And so as we end, I want to end with this. I want to read John 3.16. It's not going to be up on the screen. I want you to listen. And as I read this, where the word world is, I want you to put your name there. All right, I want you to put your name there in that spot. And let's read this together and think through this. It says, for God so loved, for God so loved, Arnell, Miss Ethel, for God so loved, Tom, for God so loved each and every one of you that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Because if you've ever wondered why, why would God do this? Why the cross? Why salvation? Why follow Jesus? One word, love. Love. The reckless scandalous, never-ending love of God. And if you've never responded to this message of love and hope, freedom, redemption, found only in and through Jesus Christ, then listen, I want to encourage you, don't wait to respond. He loves you. He will meet you right where you are at. He's already done the work. It's not about you being perfect. You can't be. He's perfect in our place. That's the gospel. That's why he did this. Two ways that we respond. Once repentance, turning away from sin, turning to Jesus, saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I struggle. I can't do this. I can't save myself. I know only you can save me. Please come into my life. Save me. Change me. And then baptism. So if you've never responded in one or even both of those ways, please don't wait. Don't wait. Do that today. And for those of us that have responded to this gospel message of Jesus in my place, not living this life in perfection, but honestly moving in his direction, then I want to extend the opportunity to to take communion together. And this is something that Jesus told us to do. As his followers, he told us to do this. He said, do this. Why? In remembrance of me. 
That's what he said. In remembrance of me. This isn't something that we should be ashamed of. This isn't, this isn't weird. Guys, this is intimate. This is a way that we were able to remember him. And he takes the bread, he breaks it, and he says what? He says, this is my body broken for you. And he pours the cup and he says what? This is my blood poured out for you. So what are we remembering? We are remembering who he is and what he has done for us on the cross in our place. So I want to encourage you to come up, take communion. For those of us that have responded to this message already, if you've not responded, then I want to encourage you to hold off on that. Your response is repentance and baptism. So I'm going to pray in a moment. And there's, there's not going to be someone that comes up to your seat. What I want to encourage you to do after I pray, you pray where you're at. Come up. Don't wait. Come up and take communion. Let's take this together. All right? So after I pray, you respond. You come up and you take communion. Father, thank you so much for the gospel, for what you've done for us on the cross in our place. Thank you for your reckless, scandalous love, Jesus that you poured out for us and that we can see visually in this picture of you on the cross in our place. We thank you so much and I pray that you would help just to just help us to remember and for those of us that maybe don't know to solidify in our minds and our hearts the fact that this isn't something that we can deserve or we need to work towards or we need to wait until we, we are good enough to respond to. We can't. We can't. That's the whole point of the cross because we couldn't and we can't. This is about what you've done for us in our place and just us being obedient and responding to you saying, Jesus, please save me. So we thank you for that. And if there's anybody here that has never responded to that, again, I pray that you would perform this miracle of salvation that only you can pray, that only you can perform right here and right now. And I pray for the the others of us that have responded to this message, I pray that you would help us to, to just renew this commitment that we have made to you. Not in perfection, just in obedience. As we remember what you have done for us. We thank you, we praise you, and we love you. And I pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Guys, first off, I just want to say thank you for joining us today for the sermon. And uh, whether you're somebody that's come to our church or you're somebody that lives locally, you go to another church, maybe you don't even live here. Um, I, just want, I just want to say first and foremost, thank you for joining us. And uh, I, I want to encourage you to, to respond in some way today because, you know, when we hear a sermon, when we read the Bible, when we, um, whatever it may, may be, the point of that is... Um, for God to speak to us in some way, shape, or form. And so if you are a Christian, um, you've been a seasoned Christian, you know the Lord already, then the way that we can respond is just by, you know, asking Him, God, what do you want me to do with the convictions that you're giving me uh, based on this sermon, the way that you're speaking to me? What do you want me to do? And then respond to that. Maybe it's an area of your life that you've been holding on to um, and, and you haven't been giving it to Him. And I want to encourage you to give that to Him and step out in faith. Or maybe if it's, um, you know, some unbelief that you've had and, and God has really convicted you of some things, 
um, you know, whatever it may be for you, it's different for everyone. I want to encourage you to respond to God and, and step in His direction. And, and the other thing too is if, if you are somebody that maybe you've listened to this and you've never responded to that gospel message, you've never been, been impacted by that gospel message, but now something is happening, God is kind of stirring in your heart and in your mind a little bit, then I want to encourage you to step out in faith, respond to that gospel message. And throughout the book of Acts, um, Acts tells us our history as a church. Uh, it shows us that you know, what that response looks like. So number one is to repent. And this word repent, all that means is just to turn from, you know, our sinful ways, our sinful desires, you know, turn from making ourself God and all these other things in life, God, and turn to God and just give Him our life. Um, and, and then on top of that response, after the repentance, there comes something else. It's called baptism. And, and baptism is so key. It's so important. It's seen all throughout um, that book and Acts and, and the importance and significance of it. Um, it's this symbol of death to the old self and, and then um, birth to uh, this new life in Christ. And we're, 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 uh, we die with Christ to the old self and we are raised with Christ to, to walk in this new life. And it's a command from Jesus. So I want to encourage you, if you have made that commitment to Christ, if you have stepped out um, and you are wanting to follow Christ, then I want to encourage you to take that next step and be baptized somewhere. Whether it's if you have a local church that you want to go be baptized at, I encourage you to do that. Um, if you don't have a church, we would love to be able to celebrate that with you um, here. But I encourage you first and foremost to do that, to, to talk with someone, um, to get counsel on what this means, to seek discipleship as well. So. Uh, I encourage you to do those things. We would love to talk with you. We are praying for you. I want you to know that you are loved and you are prayed for. So if you're ready to take that next step in your relationship with Christ, um, and if you want to take that next step with us, then we, are, we, we would welcome you with open arms. And so there's some links that we're going to provide below for you. Uh, please check that out. Um, and again, if you, if you have any prayer requests, um, please contact us. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. And we're excited about taking this next step with you.